I can't wait to see more women in manufacturing. There's so many jobs that they can do. I mean, you can run a machine, you can work in quality, you can work in an office environment. But seeing a woman running a machine, like one of the women I know, she was running five robo drills at one time, a whole little cell of her own. She was amazing. It's a good feeling seeing more women coming into the field where it was always a, a man's job. This is the Women of American Manufacturing podcast where we highlight female leaders and influencers who are revolutionizing the industry. In every episode, we explore each guest's journey into manufacturing, their vision for the future of American manufacturing, and the innovation, creativity, and communication that they bring to the industry. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Women of American Manufacturing podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Athanasiu. I have a guest with me today, Cheryl Huck. And before we get things started, Cheryl, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Who are you? Where do you work? And then we'll get started. Hi, everyone. My name's Cheryl Huck. I work for Sorice Tool. We're located in Berlin, Connecticut. We're a small job shop. We employ about 45 employees. Nice little family-owned company. I am the human resource manager for the company. I've worked here for six years now. Uh, previously, I worked for another manufacturer for 16 years, so around 22 years in manufacturing so far. Awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so excited to uh, dive in with you and learn a little bit more about your journey, um, about your experience, you know, building an HR function at a job shop, and a little bit about the challenges that you're facing today and, and how you're trying to tackle them. So Cheryl, you mentioned you've been in manufacturing for about 22 years, which is awesome. And I'd love to hear what brought you into the industry. What was your journey like? Um, originally, way back when, I worked for a bank as a teller. And the owner of a manufacturing company did business there. So one day he came in and asked me if I wanted to work for him. Uh, a little reluctant on doing that because I wasn't sure about manufacturing. And I knew nothing about manufacturing. Um, so the girls at the bank, they were like my mothers to me <laughs> and they encouraged me to take the job and, you know, don't be afraid, just do something new. So I did. I started off there as the accounting admin, um, and I did a little of the payroll there. And then I got bored with the administrative portion of it and I wanted to do something new. So they didn't have a, um, human resources for that company and the owner asked me if I wanted to develop something so I did that and then I kind of got bored once everything was set there and I asked for more to do so I did a little inspection I marked parts I've done some of the deburring of parts I worked in the shipping and receiving department I worked in the document control, purchasing. Um, I kind of did everything there except run a machine. So 
16 years with the company and then I decided to um, move on. So I took a position here at Soray's Tool and I kind of have the same opportunities here as I did there. So I developed a payroll department, a human resources. I did all that here. There was none of that here as well. Um, and I still have the opportunity to do different things here, learn new things. Andre, he's uh, the operations manager. He uh, teaches me a lot of things and helps me develop myself even more within manufacturing. And I really appreciate it. Uh, I got to know how to, how things work and then able to do my job as a human resources and sell the company when I'm trying to hire people, I have to know how to do that. So I have to know how everything works out in the shop. So it works for me and it works for everybody else. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for, for giving us a little more background about how you arrived to where you are today at Soroy's Tool. I know during our conversation a couple of weeks ago, you shared that you're your team has not had to lay anyone off, furlough anyone um, throughout all of COVID. And that I think is an anomaly in the industry. So what did, had you put into place or had you created prior to COVID hitting, you know, without knowing, obviously no one knew that COVID was gonna happen. Um, what, what processes and, and policies had you put into place that allowed the company to be able to keep everyone? I think in general, it's, the employees themselves. Cause when it first hit, as you know, everybody was like unknown of what was gonna happen. What's it like, what do we need to do? So everybody kind of like stayed in their own little bubble. People wore their masks, they stayed separate from each other. They didn't wanna be near anybody. It's part of the company and the employees itself that are aware and kind of keeping this COVID in their head. Like, okay, I need to do this to keep myself and my family safe. Um, so we have an in-house young lady that goes around and cleans daily for us. She cleans all the doors, all the surfaces and everything like that, which we're supposed to do and knock on wood. Um, I think with a lot of her help and what she does and plus what the employees do keeps everybody healthy because we haven't had a case here. The owner, Alan Ortner, he doesn't want to lay anybody off. He wants to make sure that they, they continue to work. We drop the hours of the employees because we're normally work like 45 to 50 hours per week. Uh, so instead of just laying people off, we, we close the shop earlier. People are working 40 hours or a little bit less than 40 hours. And then I had some employees turn around and give up their Fridays. They, they chose to work 32 hours to help the company. So it's kind of like a give and take on both ends, which is amazing. A lot of companies actually don't do that. No, it, it sounds like you have a very, very loyal group of, of people who work at Soroy's. What would you say has helped build that culture? Because that, that doesn't happen by chance, right? No, it doesn't. I guess it's the culture that we have here to where we don't micromanage anybody. We were open with everybody here. It's it's like a family oriented company. 
you know, there's one individual, his name is Huey. He's been here for over 40 years. He's 85 years old and still working for the company. We have very little turnover here. People are just generally happy. I mean, if you talk to anybody here, they'll tell you that this is the place that you want to work and they're open to other individuals outside of here telling them how happy they are here. What a great owner and president of the company that we have. He's very generous to the employees and he cares about the employees as a whole. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you have a very clear hiring message, but I know you're in an area of Connecticut that has some pretty stiff competition for hiring manufacturing talent. So what are some of the strategies as the HR leader that you're using to continue to grow that hiring pipeline and really draw, you know, new folks into, into the team? Well, currently right now we're a little bit slow as everybody else is, unfortunately. Uh, but normally we use vinyl tech. Um, they have students there that are going through the manufacturing programs, running machines and learning all about manufacturing. So we take on those individuals that are willing to get a career in manufacturing. Um, they're amazing students that come out of that school. The teacher, Mr. Hood, he, he's great with the kids and the kids that come out of that school um, have nothing but the nicest things to say about Mr. Hood. It's challenging for us in half of our shop because we still run manual grinding machines. And a lot of that technology is not taught in the schools anymore, your high schools or your colleges. So finding individuals to work on the bridge ports do surface grinding or cylindrical grinding that's that's difficult for us because your your workforce now is being trained on cnc machines your colleges your um, high schools everybody's devoting their time on that type of technology or robots and we still don't do that here i mean we have the cnc machines but half of our facility is still just manual grinding machines. That's our biggest challenge is finding individuals to do that. Yeah, that's no, no small task, right? Because so many students who are learning these processes in high school and in trade schools and, and beyond, um, they, they get excited by, you know, the new technology that's always coming out that helps advance the industry into, you know, 4.0, as they call it. So that's really interesting. What are you, what are you sort of doing to address that challenge? When I visit the, the local colleges like Esnantuck or Tungsas Community College or Goodwin, I express our need uh, because there's other companies like ours out there that still have the uh, departments where they run manual grinders. And I express every time that, you know, this talent, this, this type of work still is done out there in manufacturing and somebody needs to start bringing it back and training individuals on that because some of your individual individuals that work on manual grinders can earn more money than those individuals working on the CNC's, depending on where you work, of course, but they can make more money. They're, they, they can do a lot more than those individuals running a CNC. It's all hands-on. 
I love that. Yeah. And, and that that has to appeal to some people, right? They, they love getting their hands dirty, right? As you might say. It's, it's just detailed work that these individuals can do. Instead of like setting up a whole CNC machine to do something, they can just go over to a grinder and they can grind that part a lot quicker than let's say maybe a CNC machine because the quantities that we run here are small lots. I mean, you can just run one piece uh, for a customer. We do, we're not a production house, so we don't do large quantities of work. So having the ability to manually do that sometimes is a cost savings. Yeah, and as, as a person managing payroll, I'm sure cost savings is of particular interest to you. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So you talked a little bit about the biggest challenge you guys are, are facing right now or you're facing, you know, in, in hiring. What what has been like the proudest moment of your career in manufacturing? 22 years, you know, what's that thing that you are really proud to tell people or that you want listeners to know about today? Oh, there's many proud moments watching a young student complete his apprentice program and move on with his career as a full-time employee or watching one of your employees, young employees, complete the Skills USA and, and finish that third place. Watching or, or having an employee come back to you and say that the advice that you gave them worked. And, and they're happy. Or there was another time that I talked to a girl, she came to me and, and, and talked about her finances and wanting to, you know, make herself better and buy certain things and, and make a goal, make a list of goals that you want to accomplish in life and go for them. There's nobody that's going to do them for you. You have to do them for yourself and watching people achieve those goals. Personally, it's creating a department of human resources from scratch, but as far as everybody else, it's, it's seeing the employees exceed and excel in their current careers, watching like one of the, one of the young gentlemen here, we hired him as a janitor and he'd never stepped foot in a manufacturing shop before. So he went around the shop, he cleaned the shop, and he found himself being more interested in the machines. So he asked one day if he could run a machine, so the manual grinders. So it's like, okay. So long story short, he now runs our surface grinders, and he is doing an excellent job. He's going to school now at Goodwin College for manufacturing. He's trying to make himself better. That's amazing. That is such a cool story. So it sounds like, Cheryl, that some of the proudest moments are really related to you mentoring people, right? And just kind of like taking them under your wing and, and helping them pursue a better path. Yes. Um, there's another individual here too. She works for us as um, a cleaner and she is now pursuing an education for CNC she wants to learn how to run a machine. So cool. We encourage our employees to learn. We pay for their training. We pay for their college. If an individual wants to take a certain course through NTMA, it's actually NTMAU. We pay for the course. And then once they complete that course, it's like a 
let's say a 42 hour course, they complete that at home. We then turn around and we pay them the cost of what they just did. And then they have opportunities to keep learning as much as they possibly can. I'm sure that has helped with retention and that that employee loyalty we talked a little bit about a little while ago. Um, you know, those types of benefits are hard to come by these days. They are. That's awesome. So you mentioned there, there are a few women at the shop in addition to you. And I'm curious, like, has being a, a woman and a woman leader in a job shop, you know, has that been an interesting experience? Like, how would you describe what it's been like to be a woman in manufacturing? To me right now, it's normal. I've met some amazing women throughout my 22 years. I can't wait to see more women in manufacturing. There's so many jobs that they can actually do. I mean, you can run a machine, you can work in quality, you can work in an office environment, but seeing a woman running a machine, like one of the women I know, she was running five robo drills at one time, a whole little cell of her own. She was amazing. It's a good feeling seeing more women coming into the field where it was always a, a man's job. So, uh, yeah, that's very, very related to another question I have for you, which is, you know, what do you think is the most commonly held misperception about the manufacturing industry? Oh, it's still, it's a dirty, dingy, low paying job. I mean, it's not like it used to be, let's say 10 years ago, 10 years ago, it was like nobody, nobody really knew what was going on behind the doors of a manufacturing shop. But now with everything going on, like Connecticut's trying to come up with all these fundings and, and educating individuals about manufacturing, more people know about it now. And they're like the tech schools, they invite parents in. So more parents are getting to see what it's like. Because uh, we do the same thing here. We open our doors to the parents of the kids. There's more publicity. People are seeing that it's not dark and dingy. It's a good paying job. Um, you don't need to go to college, this 10-year college, and be able to make big money. I mean, you can do it right from the start. Our kids from Vinyl Tech make very good money when they come in here. And then they tell us that their friends are making not even close to what they're making. Look at some of the kids that are going to college now. I mean, they're not even pursuing the careers that they went to college for. There's more attention to manufacturing now. And I think people are seeing what it's really like. I think the interest of individuals working for manufacturing has increased. It's nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. So other than maybe telling people, hey, it's not dirty, you know, it's it, it, you can make great money. You know, what what's another piece of advice you might give a young woman who doesn't really know about manufacturing, um, but you want to convince her that it's worth exploring? Don't be afraid. A woman can do the same thing a man can do. And personally, not to be biased, but I think a woman can do it a little bit better. <laughs> Take that chance. No, it's very similar to the advice you got from the women who worked with you at the bank. You know, you said you, they were like mother figures to you and they, they told you, take a chance, like, like uh, put, put some stock in yourself and um, 
go and try something new. And like, what's the worst that could happen? You just, you could probably have had your job back at the bank, I'm guessing, right? Oh yeah, they wanted me back. <laughs> oh yeah, they'd come in a, several years later. And it's like, okay, so when are you coming back? It's like, no, nah, I'm not coming back. <laughs> but it is, it's like, you know, the, I think the more women that go into manufacturing, I think it'll be better. Um, it just takes others seeing with the women in there that it will encourage others. Um, I think we need to publicize more that there are all these women out there when they're actually doing all this i think if we do that i think you'll find more women that will be interested in doing that absolutely yeah it's all, it's all about representation right and seeing someone who, who looks like you doing that thing it suddenly becomes a lot more possible and real um in, in your own eyes i think yeah. um and on that note i know you're you're a member of a few different trade organizations or associations excuse me um and women in manufacturing is one of them so what has that experience been like i just recently became a member of women in manufacturing the beginning of this year so actually what, a month month and a half so i'm just getting started in that i read a lot of the articles i look at a lot of the profiles of the women that are working in there. There's a lot of members in there and there's a lot of very successful women. There's a lot, actually, I didn't know as many women that own or are in the higher positions within manufacturing. And it's good to see that. I don't see right now too many women that are like running a machine and stuff like that. The majority of them are the office type individuals, but I'm very impressed with the number of women that are actually owning and in the higher positions within manufacturing. Get them on the show. <laughs> tell them, tell them to be on my podcast. <laughs> I will. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm just getting started in it, but I like what I see so far. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's so cool that that group exists. And I know um, if you're a member, if your shop is a member of NTMA, any women at the shop actually get free membership. Is that right? We do. Yep. Yeah, that's so cool. That's great. I love it. I love it. So I would love to hurl some rapid fire questions at you so that our listeners can get to know uh, who you are outside of work a little bit. So I'll just ask you a question. And if you could give us the first answer that comes to mind, and then I'm not going to ask any follow up questions. I'm just going to send a new rapid fire question at you. Okay. okay. All right. Let's, let's do it. Let's have some fun. All right. So Cheryl, do you have a pet? I do. Kayla. She's my little boxer. What's the last vacation you took? Arizona. Got married there. What's the number one reason more women should work in manufacturing? Better opportunities. New new adventures. What's your favorite color? Black. And favorite ice cream? Strawberry. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Okay, so um, I've I've gone through like the majority of the questions I wanted to ask, and we touched on all the, the points I had highlighted from our first conversation. But I want to make sure that you feel you've shared your story. Is there anything else that you would like to be included? What I'm most interested in, it's not just the women in manufacturing. It's educating anybody in manufacturing. We gotta, we gotta keep manufacturing going strong, regardless of male or female. It's important for companies to keep evolving because if we don't, because we are the ones that make everything you touch. 
regardless of what company it is, we are the ones that are in charge of making the laptop or the camera that we're sitting in front of or the phone that everybody has in their hand. Some manufacturing company had something to do with every aspect of that. And we need to make sure that we we educate those individuals on the importance of keeping these manufacturing companies going, teaching individuals how to work in them. We have to focus on making things in the United States, keeping our manufacturing companies running. Yeah, so you really have your eye on, on the future of the industry. A lot of people do. A lot of companies do. Um, I mean, if we keep sending stuff out of the United States, we're going to, what are we going to do here? Exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much for your time today, Cheryl. I loved hearing your story. I think it's, it's really powerful to hear about the pivot you made early on and just how successful and, and fulfilling, you know, it has been for you. So I hope it resonated with our listeners. I'm sure it did. If anyone would like to get in touch with you, whether it be for job opportunities or just networking, um, what's the best way to reach you? Email C-H-E-R-Y-L at soroystool.com. I'm always looking for individuals to work for the company if we have a position open. Um, And if you have manual grinding experience, please reach out to me. Awesome. That's great. So thank you for your time, Cheryl. Really appreciated it. And I hope to meet you in the near future once uh, COVID allows some some travel (laughs) because we're not too far away from each other. That would be great. All right. Thanks, Cheryl. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. And I hope to see you next time on the Women of American Manufacturing podcast. The Women of American Manufacturing podcast is brought to you by Paperless Parts. Paperless Parts empowers job shop and contract manufacturers to modernize and grow using the company's secure ITAR-compliant cloud-based estimating platform. The software streamlines manufacturers' existing workflows by combining business process automation tools and a proprietary geometric pricing engine to power configurable formulas that drive estimating consistency and accuracy. The platform integrates with ERP systems to level up front office business operations and customer communication and enables more efficient responses to RFQs for a variety of manufacturing processes, including sheet metal fabrication, CNC machining, and additive manufacturing. Over 1 million files have been uploaded and analyzed through the platform to support the estimating process for manufacturers providing components and assemblies for the aerospace and defense, medical, semiconductors, and industrial sectors. Privately funded by manufacturing industry experts, Paperless Parts was founded in 2017 and is headquartered in Boston. You can learn more at www.paperlessparts.com.